Sawate discipli and sawate omnes. Welcome again to another episode of Latin in Layman's. Um, today we're going to be taking a little bit of a different approach to et etymology, language. We're going to look at Latin, but we're going to apply Latin in the medical realm. And what we're going to do is I'm going to be talking about the bones situated, especially in the face and the head. We're going to talk about whether that medical uh, term coming from all that medical nomenclature. Remember, nomen meaning name, clotura meaning um, order, essentially. So it's the, the the naming order, essentially, within the medical field, right? We have nomenclature for botany. We have nomenclature for the legal system. It's just the way in which we use terminology that is delegated to a certain discipline. So we're going to be doing medical nomenclature this time around. Um, and if you are curious, would love to have you stick around with me as we dive on into this. And before we actually dive on into it, I always got to plug my podcast that you are very well listening to right now. So wherever you're listening to this, I'm sure you could find a way to throw down a rating. Um, also, I ask questions on Spotify and you can respond to those questions on uh, the app. I've had, well, really, you have to scroll kind of far down on each episode, but typically it's just kind of like a question like, what y'all think about the episode? Would you like something different? Would you like a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that? Gives me an opportunity to interact with you guys, but I've realized that Spotify didn't make it very, very seamless, and a lot of people kind of just skip over it, just like with Apple Podcast and how you have to go all the way to Latin and layman's, and then you got to scroll all the way down in order to actually give me a rating, of which case, if you haven't already, would love that. Appreciate it. I've seen that we've actually gone up from about like roughly 150 audience members to about 180 now. I don't know if that is tried and true or if Spotify uh, for podcasters is just hyping me up a little too much. Um, but either way, I'm excited. And also, why don't we just do this, apply our love of language to our love of the human body. And then I'm also going to make this into a visual format and I'll put it on my TikTok. That's what I did also with uh, the bones of the trunk, the spine, um, and the, yeah, typically the spine. We went through like a lot of like the sternum. Sternum literally means in Latin breastbone. Talked about coccyx. Coccyx is that little uh, process at the very bottom uh, part of the pelvis in that pelvic region. It is in Greek, uh, it mean, it's coccyx, and it refers to cuckoo because they thought that the coccyx, that little portion at the very end of the tailbone, they thought it looked like a uh, the beak of a cuckoo. So as you can see, the Greeks, the Latins, when they evaluated these things, it's like when I talked about, you know, where do we get the word um, carcinoma from. Carcinoma actually is, or rather cancer actually. Cancer in Latin means crab. Why? That doesn't make a lot of sense in my opinion. But if you, you think about it a little bit more critically and you knew about the history of the word cancer, cancer actually was, um, you know, associated with carcinomas back in the day because when Hippocrates would evaluate all these dead individuals after they had passed from quote unquote cancer, he was evaluating these, these, these lumps, these masses, they were hard. Um, and we speculate as to think that the reason why he called them cancers 
were either because they had the tenacity of a crab. So it's just like a crab that claws onto you and claws on and holds on for dear life. That's what cancer did as well. Like once it clawed onto the human body or the human life, it just wouldn't let go. And typically, you know, people that got cancer back then, they died. They didn't have chemotherapy. They didn't have um, dietary interventions, medical interventions. They didn't have that kind of stuff back in the day. So people just died. But also um, carcinomas or sarcomas, um, sarc, sarc refers to flesh, carcin refers to cancer, right? Um, same thing here, carcinoma, they're just sarcomas or fleshy tumors, essentially, uh, carcinomas are cancerous tumors, um, oma meaning tumor in the medical field. And I am ramble bambling in my intro just as before, as I always do, but I have a lot of information and I like to ramble bamble and give you guys something that maybe you didn't pick up on. In a prior episode of mine. So if you guys didn't know, that's where we get cancer from. Hippocrates evaluating dead, um, basically cadavers, essentially. He was like, all right, well, is it the tenacity of the crab? Or maybe it's because car carcinomas are really hard to the touch, like the shell of a crab. I don't know. But that's where we kind of speculate. That's where we kind of suss out um, and where we get language. There, it's ideological. It's helped to explain the unexplainable. It makes the metaphysical physical, and that's what language does for us. It makes things tangible. If we don't have a word to express what that is, then how do we refer to it? How do we tell people that we're referring to it? Do we just point at it? Well, still then, even if, like, don't you have to point at it and still give it some sort of description order f in order for your audience to know exactly what you're pointing out? There you go. That being said, Let's let Liam shutty shut up and dive on into it. All right, cool beans. I've shut myself up completely so that I can stop ramble bambling and we can get right on into these uh, bones situated in our face and our head. So the fir first one we're going to talk about, the frontal bone. The frontal bone coming from the Latin os frontale. Os frontale, well, os means bone. That's where we get osteon. That's where we get osteopathic, right? Osteo means bone. Pathos refers to suffering. I'm ramble bambling again, but an osteopath refers to uh, the pathologies, uh, the suffering and or the feelings uh, associated with bones, okay? An osteopath also is, they, they're a doctor of osteopathy. They do the whole manual manipulation like a chiropractor, or they ought to know how to do that, but also they have the opportunity to um, prescribe, prescribe medical um, or medicine rather because they have an MD as well. Uh, DOs are basically the MD versions of a chiropractor because a chiropractor cannot prescribe medication. Um, doctor of chiropractic, even though they go through more medical schooling than an actual um uh, MD. Hey, don't at me. I can pull up any study and I can show you literally side by side the amount of hours chiropractors actually have to go through in school um, versus MDs. Of course, MDs specialize more hours in certain speci uh, specialties like psychology, for instance, or like, you know, whatever. But on the other hand, doctors of chiropractic have to do a lot more in terms of like nutrition or they have to do more um, in regards to uh, just anatomy, physiology, exercise physiology, uh, kinesiology, that kind of stuff, you know. So just more special specialization. There you go. There, You remember I used to have a little good old lithy lithy. Sometimes it comes up back on out, but yeah. 
Anyways, the frontal bone, this is the bone that forms the forehead and the roof of the orbits. The word frontal comes from Latin frons, which means forehead. So it means the bone of the forehead, essentially. Parietal bone, our next one here, the parietal bone, the ossa parietalia in Latin. These are the two bones that form the sides and top of the skull. The word parietal comes from the Latin peris, which means wall. All right, that's where we get para in the Greek. Para means alongside, right? Because if you have parallel lines, they are alongside one another. They are never going to touch and they are going to always be approaching infinity, but only in one direction. It's not going to be, uh, there's no asymptote involved, sorry. Um, temporal bones. Temporal bones, coming from Latin, the Latin ossa temporalia. Remember, ossa means bone. It's where we get osteon. I'm going to say it over again. I'm, it's where we get osteopathic. It's where we get osteoporosis. Osteo meaning bone, poro referring to pores, osis, the breakdown of or the condition of, but in this case, the breakdown of because osteoporosis is, if we etymologize that from right back to left, from suffix back to prefix, it's the breakdown of porous bone. Osteoporosis is going to be um, basically the more severe version of osteopenia, osteobone, penia in the Greek meaning penalty or poverty. So poverty of the bone leads to breakdown of the porous bone. And then if you have soft bone, you have osteomalacia and malacos means soft. So if you didn't know, now you know. However, temporal bones, again, are the bones that form the side and base of the skull they contain the middle ear and the temporalis muscle as well. Just wanted to throw that in there. The word temporal comes from the Latin tempus, which means time. I always find that very interesting. I'm not sure why. I didn't really go into the etymology as to why that happens uh, with, uh, with time, but I think it's just more so because uh, it is innervated by the temporalis muscle. That being said, next one, occipital bone. The occipital bone in Latin, os occipitale. This is the bone that forms the back of the skull and the base of the foramen magnum, all right? Magnum meaning great. Foramen is basically the, the, the areas uh, in bone that are those spaces. Um, I actually don't know what that means in Latin, if that does mean something in Latin. I'll come back to that if I have time. But the foramen magnum is um, the opening through which the spinal cord passes, all right? That word occipital comes from the word oxeps or oxeps, which means the back of the head. Seps means head, oc against, or in this case, the back, all right? So on the back of the head, essentially. Oc is going to be a derivation of uh, the prefix ob, right? Like objective or obstacle, but they don't like it's it's contractions, right? That we've talked about before in the past. Instead of it being ob sec, uh, ob uh, keps rather ob keps, that b assimilates to a c and it goes to a keps, right? Remember again, as per the usual, keps refers to head, like biceps, biceps, uh, quadra keps, quadriceps. I'm just I'm emphasizing that c is a hard c, as it would be in Latin back in the day. As I've said before in the past, Caesar would be pronounced as Caesar. Cicero would be pronounced as Cicero, and so on and so forth. Next one we're going to get into here, though, is the sphenoid bone. 
um, in the Greek. I don't know how to really pronounce it in the ancient Greek. I have it all written down, though, so I'm going to provide that in the show notes if you like looking at Greek characters. Uh, but it's pronounced sphenoides, which is a complex bone that forms the middle of the skull. It contains the cella turcica, or the tercica, um, however you pronounce that, uh, tomato, tomato, which is the depression that houses the pituitary gland. All right, if you didn't know, trying to wrap these things together. Pituitary is a really, really important gland uh, that secretes the hormone that uh, essentially is important for growth hormone. Um, those that have like megalomania, for instance, they, uh, n- not megalom, you know, like, uh, like Andre the Giant, for instance, he had, uh, you know, a pituitary gland that was all out of whack that um, also affected his thyroid, pituitary, thyroid work together all those hormones, remember? Anyways, the word sphenoid comes from that Greek word sphenoides, sphenois, meaning wedge, all right? And like I said, it's a complex bone that forms that middle of the skull, and it uh, it contains that cella turcica, or tercica. Next one, the ethmoid bone. Ethmoid this is a small bone that forms the front of the nasal cavity and the floor of the anterior cranial fascia. The word ethmoid comes from the Greek ethmos, which means sieve. If you look at the ethmoid bone and then further at what the ethmoid sinus looks like, the ethmoid is, you know, that's what the sinuses do when you breathe through your nose. You're sieving through all of those uh, particles, right? And that's what you're, that, that's why typically you want to breathe through your nose, you guys. If you're a mouth breather, that is really not good for you. That's why people say mouth breathing is bad. You don't get proper rest. You're not getting ad- adequate oxygen to your body. Um, and you probably have pretty bad breath too, not going to lie. People that I know that are mouth breathers, Whoa, I gotta step I gotta step back because um, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to breathe out of your mouth all the time. Like if you're very, very winded, definitely you gotta utilize that sometimes, but also challenge yourself. That's what I try to do when I'm on my bike rides and like I come to a climb uh, and I really just like push it. I, I, I you know, and and but I'm feeling that cardiovascular. I I I really I've been talking to my dad about this because I'm really trying to figure out how to work on my quadricep endurance because it, it my my cardiovascular endurance never ceases to amaze me. It's the fact that my legs uh, fatigue faster than my cardiovascular. If I could, um, I could keep on going for like hours and hours and hours and hours because for some reason, like I'm just that person. My resting heart rate's like 45 beats per minute kind of thing, bradycardia meaning slow, cardio referring to heart, slow heart rate in this case. That being said, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not trying to do a humble brag on if I'm actually fit or not, whatever. That being said, the ethmoid bone, I really urge you guys to look up a picture of what your sinuses look like because your ethmoid, um, if you're not careful, you can get uh, infections in the ethmoid sinus and it's a pocket there and things can collect in there if you're not careful. So Entertain the idea of a neti pot, maybe. I don't know. I like neti pot. I haven't done it in a while, but that makes me think maybe I should do one here pretty soon. Anyways, next one, the zygomatic bones. These are the two bones that form the prominence of the cheeks. In the Greek, it's zygoides. 
Um, and the word zygomatic comes from the Greek word zygon, which means to yoke or yoke, essentially. Um, very interesting with that one. I don't have a lot to say about to yoke, um, but uh, now I'm curious. Um, unfortunately, Almighty Google could not help me out. So uh, we're just going to leave it there. And then uh, maybe you guys can do some research and maybe teach me something new. I don't know. That being said, let's get into our next one, Magzali. Magzali, or the Magzala in Latin, Magzala. Uh, these are the two bones. And that AE is what makes it nominative plural. So that's why I say maxillae. I'm making it into the nominative plural because we have two of those bones. It's not just a singular bone that form the upper jaw and contain the upper teeth. The maxillae or the maxilla, uh, it comes from the, the Latin word maxilla, which means jaw. So if you didn't know, now you know. Maxilla means jaw. Here we go with our last one, mandible. The mandible is the largest bone of the face. The mandible forms the lower jaw and contains the lower teeth. Mandible comes from the Latin word mandare, the Latin word, the Latin verb. It is a um, second conjugation, which means to chew. So what does your mandible do? It helps you to chew. So that's the lower jaw. The maxilla is the upper jaw. Mandible is the lower jaw. Together, that's what helps you chewy chew on that food. And in this case, maybe you got to really, you got something you got to chew on. You got to, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, with that bombshell and with that uh, slight uh, insanity creeping out from me, we're going to leave it there. Hope you learned something new. And I hope that the dog that's barking in the background is not being picked up in this audio because there's a new dog in our apartment. And unfortunately, the owner of the dog just has left the dog in their apartment and the dog has been barking all morning long. Isn't the first time. But I feel bad for the dog because I know that the dog's been put on uh, antidepressants. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at that. I'm depressed too. You know what? It just waxes and wanes. Anyways, thank yourself. Thank your mom, your dad, Love the people in your life. Thanks again for everything. Tempo Zest. Discovery.